0: Welcome to the Midman Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we
1: help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning
0: in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hello, and welcome to the Midman Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Arnoldson. We're returning with Brad Turpin, CEO of Valor Health. Welcome back, Brad. Thanks, Jesse. Last episode, we talked a lot about physicians in leadership and how to engage them and how to provide them the tools and training to become the great leaders that our organizations need them to be. This time, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how to get the most out of yourself and the limited time that you have. Brad? Give me an example of a time in your career where you've just reached the point of overload, too much on your plate, being overwhelmed, burnout, whatever it may be. Do you have a point in your life where you've experienced that?
1: Yeah, Jesse, I I have. I think the the obvious answer is March of 2020 and the COVID-19 situation and, and dealing with that. I'll talk about a different situation, though, simply because that I think that was just so extraordinary and hopefully we'll never have to experience that again. Yeah. But the experience that comes to mind when you mention that has to do when I first started at Valor Health. And I've talked with a couple of executives that I've hired since then and described my situation and kind of as a warning to them. And and I think the listeners will probably relate to this, you know, when they start new positions. So I don't have uh, data on it, but it seems like there's a time period when you first start in an organization that you can say yes to everyone and everything. You have Mm -hmm. completely unlimited bandwidth and you get really really good at saying yes, taking action, following up and achieving results. And at some point the pipe gets stuck. You have said yes to so many things and been able to do that at some point the wheel just slows down and you can't you can say yes, but you can't deliver the way you did in the first 30 right. 60 90 days, right? So for me that happened when you know at Valor Health when I first started there. I think I gained a reputation for getting things done, got a lot of input from folks hey you can you help me with this project absolutely let's get that taken care of and then it stuck and that was a point where i had to step back and really think about what am i focused on what are the priorities what can i say yes to now and what do i need to say not yet to and that was a really tough one because it it impacted some relationships where people were looking at me saying but wait you're the guy that always gets the things done and I just said, I, you know, I'm full now. So now I have to be really judicious about how I'm using my time and energy and start to make some difficult decisions around priorities and what to do and what not to do yet.
0: How did you know you were stuck? Like, what were a couple of the indicators that, you know, or the red lights flashing that that told you, hey, you've reached a breaking point?
1: Uh, it's probably just a gut feel. And I think we've all been there where we have made a commitment to someone and we didn't meet that commitment and it just feels terrible you know it happened enough where i realized i need to take a step back because and i'm letting people down and that's one of the worst feelings that we can have especially i think if if you have adopted a servant leader mentality if you start letting people down then you feel like you're you're failing as a as a leader right Mm -hmm. so it was enough Occurrences of oh shoot, I didn't get that done. I'm sorry, I'll work on that over and over. That caused me to realize, okay, but something's gotta change here because I that feels terrible. I gotta, I gotta make an adjustment.
0: We have we have weekly meetings, Brad, where our to-dos are reviewed from the last meeting. And I've noticed that if I'm if my plates over, over full, those to do's stay on there for longer than a week. They're there for three, four, five, six weeks. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, yeah, I've I've messed up somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah. Like what you said. Right. Yeah. And I catch myself apologizing too much. And that that's usually my kind of canary in the coal mine is how many times am I apologizing for not getting <laughs> something done? Right. I hate right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit deeper into this example. When you started at Valor, how did it begin to affect kind of your life overall, the the people you work with, your family, you and your mental, physical, emotional well-being?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one because it doesn't, you know, there's no hard walls. You you don't get to just uh, shut your mind off when you drive home. It, mm-hmm. you know, that feeling of not being successful, particularly if you're someone who prides yourself on being successful and have it have had a successful career, you know, it, it just that sort of negative feeling kind of carries with you, and you start to feel it in your interactions with your spouse and your kids, and you know, your thinking about work when you shouldn't be thinking about work and, and all those things. And maybe, you know, you talk about what, what are the indicators? Maybe that's one of the indicators when you feel like those things are weights, extra weights in your backpack, when you're walking around just in your normal life and you're thinking what what the heck is going on here? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it impacted me enough to, you know, kind of take a step back. And, and the interesting thing is I felt like I had a pretty good system at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, I had been you know, organized and getting things done and, and all that. And, and I started to question that maybe I was only playing on an eight foot hoop before, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and now I need to revamp my system and understand how to be successful
0: in this new world. That makes sense. Brad, is there anything else that you would say towards why it's important that we properly manage what's on our plate?
1: Yeah, for me, it always goes back to that. I don't. I think it's an Abraham Lincoln quote that talks about, you know, if you're going to chop wood for six hours, you should spend four hours sharpening your saw. I mean, especially if you're in a leadership role, if we mm-hmm. just keep pounding, what we're expected to do is not only get things done, but help others get things done, be available to answer questions, think creatively, think strategically, you know, ask those questions that maybe no one else is asking, have those conversations that no one else is willing to have. And if we're just continuing to overload ourselves and not create that space to be able to do those things, then that part of our job is, you know, really falling behind.
0: Right. Right. Let's talk about our locus of control or what's in our power versus what's in the hands of others as far as how what they influence on our plate or our environment that keeps us busy. Tell me a little bit about how our personal locus of control impacts our plate management.
1: It's an interesting question, Jesse. You know, we spend so much time trying to control those outcomes and, you know, the work and the outcomes of our team, the performance of our team, to realize that we're not in control of everything. I think is a healthy perspective to get, it's often very difficult to accept that there are elements out there that we don't get to drive and we have to respond. I think, uh, you know, being a really successful leader, you start to learn what those things are that you can control, right? You can control how you show up each day, what attitude you have, you know, are you a positive, optimistic person? What perspective are you portraying to those that work in your organization? Are you walking the halls doom and gloom? Or are you walking the halls saying things like, yes, you know, maybe things are difficult right now. However, we're strong as a team. We can figure this out and we can, you know, we can get through this. I think people could probably really relate to this in, you know, just our experience getting through COVID and and the challenges that we faced. You know, I think there were a lot of personality traits that kind of came up in that situation. And as leaders, we probably had to address those and have those conversations about, okay, you're right. This is crazy. This is very difficult. However, the things that are important to us and you know, we even as an organization almost went back to our mission, vision and values to say, okay, let's just, let's start from there. What's really, really important. And whatever we decide to do here, let's be grounded in what we feel is really important. Right. And then, you know, that locus of control idea, just know that there's going to be a lot of noise around us. There's going to be a lot of distractions. There's going to be a lot of factors that come come into play that we don't control we have to but we have to be really focused on what's important to us and just kind of keep trucking forward
0: it makes sense brad i want you to challenge me on a statement i i think that what i've seen in myself and in and in colleagues of mine when we're really stuck i find myself talking more about the environment and more about what other people keep putting on my of, of what the organization is demanding of me and that's why my plate is so full. And finally, somebody will, will jockey me out of it and say, you know what? You got to take the reins, man. You got to take a stand somewhere and start to pull stuff off of your plate, engage others, delegate, elevate. I think that we have a lot of locus of control. I think that a lot of it's in our court to get unstuck. So, so challenge me on that. Help me, help me know how I balance between being accountable for myself and getting myself out of that situation versus acknowledging that there's environmental stuff that's out of my control. Where, where do you go from there? How do you, what do you do with that, that conflict?
1: That's a tough one. I think we all probably do a version of that as leaders uh, and just as human beings, you know, mm-hmm. to think, oh my gosh, this is the, this is the deck of cards that I got dealt here or the hand of cards I got dealt. And what am I going to do with this? One of the best things that I was ever told by our chair of the board of trustees looked at me and just said, Brad, you are the CEO. Everyone around you is looking at you how you choose to behave, how you choose to respond, and this was you know, specific to COVID-19, Right, it's going to have ripple effects throughout the organization. And it was, I don't know about you, Jesse, but I just kind of think of myself as a person, right? I'm a dad, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a husband. I just do my thing. I happen to be in healthcare and I like it. But sometimes we forget that you know, organizations, especially if we're in a leadership role, there are others around us looking at us. We're on stage all the time and they're, They're judging how we're conducting ourselves. And so maybe it's that external pressure. Yeah. You know, when you talk about what's the impact of me feeling like my plate's full and, you know, I can't get things done because of that, you know, think about what you're teaching the folks in your organization that you're expected to lead. So anyways, that quote from, or that instruction from the board of trustees chair was really, really helpful for me to understand that I may not see it the way others see it I see it through my eyes but it was kind of a reminder of all of the eyes that are around me and the impact uh, that my choices and my behavior have on them and and then yeah. you know the decisions they make and how they behave
0: yeah awesome right when I came into medman you had been out of the organization I can't remember how many years but you still had left behind a, a reputation for the the gtd guy the getting things done guy and that's why like I've come back to you to to speak at IDO MGMA and, and a couple of other times. And I've seen you, you know, doing your weekly reviews. Tell me whether it's getting things done or any other best practices, what, where's a good place to start to develop? Because I, I think it's a skill. I think there's a skill in managing your plate affle- effectively. Where should somebody start to develop those skills of managing their plates better?
1: I think it starts first with desire to do that mm-hmm. and desire for an answer. And I hope that it doesn't come up because someone runs into an event that really affects them. You know, if they're if they're ahead of it and they realize, you know, I probably need to figure out a system as I go through my career to make sure that I can be effective
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's not out of crisis. I think, you know, having to deal with it out of a crisis uh, would be really difficult. Okay. I'm still a strong proponent for David Allen's getting things done methodology. I still teach that. I still, I have executives that I teach it to you know come to the organization and they're saying teach me what you do and it, and it's not necessarily you know you have to do a b c there are some real fundamentals to be successful and i think the great thing about it is and you know if there's a system out there that works for folks that's great but it, to exactly. me the ultimate outcome is you can have the mental capacity or mental space to again think creatively think strategically all those things you're no you're not sucked into just getting these tasks done all the time. And then, right. and I've talked a lot about this in presentations that I've made, and I think it really resonates with folks, just that that headspace to be able to say, when I'm with my family, I'm thinking about my family. And when I'm coaching my kids sports, I'm, I'm thinking about that. When I'm on vacation with my family, I'm, I'm there, I'm present in the moment, mm-hmm. and I'm not thinking about work. And the getting things done methodology really helps to compartmentalize all that, get it in paper, get it out of your head so that you can, I think in my mind, it makes me a significantly better husband, dad, et cetera, when I can do that. And it's not all clogged up in there. So I'm still passionate about it. I have over time, you know, as I think anybody probably would do with systems that they're using, you know, adapted it in certain ways that work for me, you know, kind of really emphasized one component of it and maybe less another component. David Allen, you know, talks about that. It's kind of like, here, here are the skills, here are the components of your work that you need to get done. Now make it yours, own it and find a way to be effective with it. So, right. I'm still a big believer. And I think it, it really, really helps me stay sharp. Like we talked about keeping sharp. If that's a way to do it, if you can feel organized and focused on the right things. Just from an energy standpoint, I think that
0: really helps. Humor me on this, Brad. Maybe you and I can go back and forth and each share two either specific tools that you use from GTD or any other organizational thing. Like what, if there was anything from getting things done, if you could only keep two things, what would they be? Share one, I'll, I'll share one and we'll, we'll just go back and forth for a couple just <laughs> to give people a taste of what, what these systems maybe entail.
1: All right, I, I'd say the first one is is the mind sweep or getting things out of my head.
0: And what does that entail?
1: So that's anything that's happening. I write it down. I don't feel committed to actually having to do something about it. Right. I, I I avoid that static because I know later I'm going to come back and really take a look at it and say is that actionable or not actionable. But I get it all out of my head. I'm always writing things down, dictating things. I'm taking notes and then I you know I'll process it later. But I I'm trying to constantly clear my head and that so yeah. that's probably the one habit that I think really really helps
0: I love that that I use my I have a little moleskin notebook that I write things down in my iPhone reminders e- I email myself it's just you got to have a clear mind right you cannot put the stress on your mind to try and set that you know put that in some pocket <laughs> or folder in your brain to to bring up later that's just too it's not how yeah, you. to works. try to retain it yeah yeah right that's right. stressful okay for me, going outside of GTD and going to maybe the Gino Wickman and, and his traction series, I one of the tools I use to get a little bit more focused on the, the right things is a, a delegate and elevate tool where it kind of has those four quadrants and I just keep track of everything I'm doing in the, you know, the first bucket is that I, things I love to do and I'm great at it. And then the next one is like things that I'm kind of good at and I'm, I like to do. Don't like to do, but still good at. And then finally, I'm really bad at and I hate. And I use that to keep track. Maybe once a quarter, I do this exercise to just keep the things that I'm not good at and I hate doing moving off my plate. Because what I realize is those are the things that get me stuck. IT support in a small clinic. That's a huge, a big example. (laughs) Hate it, gone. Like find a a really good resource to, to help me there. But that's one of those tools that helps me keep the right things on my plate when they should. That's awesome,
1: Jesse. It's, I'll have to check that out. And that could lend itself to a podcast in and of itself. You know, as a, as a leader, yeah. how do you effectively delegate, monitor, follow-up, support, all of those
0: things. That's yeah. a great one. I'm going to hold you to that. We'll, we'll have you come back <laughs> right. as a reoccurring guest. What, what's good. another one for you, Brad?
1: Uh, the weekly review is probably the next thing that comes to mind for me as a, as a GTD tool. And honestly, sometimes it's really challenging to do it, but it's also the most rewarding to, to really. And I think David uses the terms, you know, be the executive of yourself, kind of elevate yourself to the 20,000 foot level and take a view of, you know, take a look at the forest rather than staring at each of the individual trees like we do on a day-to-day basis. So I feel like when I do that weekly review and really take a step back, it helps me refocus, reprioritize. It definitely helps me plan my next two weeks. And make sure that I'm being really effective with my time and not just getting things done, but getting the right things done. I
0: love it. The last one I'll share is related to the two you shared it. And it's kind of a sub part of the weekly review zeroing out. So we, we talked about how you, you do this mind sweep where you're collecting all these different little things, reminders and notes and stuff. But inside that weekly review, I get the chance to just zero out my voicemail all of my email inboxes all my notes all my iphone reminders into one to-do list and then i sit there and i figure i i say yes or no and i kick things off or whatever but it's all there i don't work on any of them but i have now effectively combined everything into one place and that alleviates a ton of stress for me (laughs) knowing that there aren't a million things sitting out there it's all right in front of me in one place
1: that's awesome, Jesse. I like that one a lot. And I don't know when you do your weekly review. Do you have a certain day that you try to do it?
0: Yeah, I try and schedule. I've tried different days. I've tried Fridays so that I can go into the weekend stress-free. Yeah. Um, but there have been other times in my life where I do it on Mondays just to get things started right. I know it's almost like a strategic plan, a mini, a mini strategic plan for how I'm going to attack the week and just helps me get into the motion a little bit better. But I I think, I think the most effective one for me has been Fridays, Friday afternoons.
1: Yeah. That's funny. That, that is my designated time to do it as well. And very much what you're talking about, zeroing out and just having a fresh start, especially going into the weekend, spending time with the family, just kind of having that all clear out of your head, knowing that it's waiting for you there on Monday morning. Has been really, really right. healthy.
0: There are zero red dot notifications on the yeah. iPhone, and that's right. just oh, I love it. <laughs> it's a strange, satisfying feeling. <laughs> it is. It is. Brad, thank you for sharing all of this, and and for our listeners, I hope that this has sparked some interest in in your guys's hearts and minds to. To get better organized, you know, I, I think that there's something to having a system for keeping your goals and your to-dos and your priorities going that just makes you a, a more effective leader. You could probably put in 70 or 80 disorganized hours and you'd probably rate yourself a C-minus on all of them. But if you can just get a little bit better organized, you can probably put in less time and be more effective in all the work that you do. Brad, thanks again for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. That was fun.
0: Everybody, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Medman podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest information and episodes. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the Medman podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else Medman does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com.